0: Knockout Ginger episode 5 with the mighty Karen Ng, uh, alto saxophonist, readist, uh, organizer of Tone Festival, and she's great to talk to, and we talk about it. Uh, Email me at knockoutginger at gmail.com, F all the haters.
1: talking to you like we're just talking you know like this reach is like going to be the people we're seeing all the time anyway yeah. right so it's not like well hopefully more you yeah. know like eventually and this is recorded for the ages so maybe somebody will find it at some point but yeah I think um yeah I don't know
0: my listeners are dropping at a rapid <laughs>
2: pace
1: <laughs> because you edited out all the dark yeah. stuff you should have left it in there <laughs> but I'm, I'm kind of curious I haven't listened to any uh which is silly because I was just on the road and there it's nice to have podcast to listen to but uh without getting into specifics what are, what are some of the things you got into that you didn't want to uh
0: school stuff and teachers and, oh yeah um
1: who um who was your first uh, Who was your first first
0: one was uh first recording was furlong was furlong but first release was jill mckenna
1: okay i don't know who that is she's jill a McKenna? bass
0: player we went to we went to talk and together. oh okay okay cool. um,
1: kind of wait. That name sounds. Familiar. She is she a bass player? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: She plays with Harry Vetro and right. Adrian Ferruja. Right. I think those are her two regular.
1: Oh, uh, Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think I've watched a video of hers uh, somewhere recently. Yeah. She's still. She's still in Hamilton. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Totally. We're
0: yeah. We're living like the same lives. We both moved home from New York to live in our parents' right. houses.
1: But that's good. Uh, like yeah. I mean, it's like I think somebody was talking about it the other day about. Um, like what a luxury it is for us to be able to do that. Like, I think, and also culturally, like, I know all, you know, like my family or whatever in Hong Kong and a lot of people in the UK that it's like normal to be living like, cause you're like you better like save up and then yeah. you can like, you know, that's sort of the idea. So I don't know, I think it's a good plan, especially for just like, well, there's nothing for me in the city at this moment, then I might as well go home and like save on rent and be productive and like practice. Like that seems to make sense. Yeah. Like are you are you, are you happy with your decision? Is she happy? This is great. It's like I'm interviewing you. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing.
0: <laughs> I think I'm I'm happy for now. Okay. But I'm like we're we're reaching a point where every once in a while my parents throw in a comment and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I, I'm leaving Time soon." Time to go.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, and also it's always hard to go back and be like under your parents' roof again. You're just like, ah, yes, like I got to listen to you because I'm under your roof, but like I've just spent many years not having to do right. that, you know, and it's it's like such a hard thing to go back to, but I don't know. I, I still think like they are right. It's like a luxury to be able to, they, whoever, I forget what we were talking about before, but yeah, to have the luxury to go home or have somewhere to go, right, like and save on rent and like, yeah, you know, exit out and just like check out a zone for a while. It's like, okay, this is this zone not being in New York and this is this zone, commuting into toronto a lot (laughs) like and then eventually you'll be like now i'm in this zone in toronto and i don't know it's good it's like good for perspective i think like
0: i think so um chris platt and i talked about it on his podcast a lot about how we have to or him and i both tend to like look we both look around and and uh just take note of how lucky we are to do what we do even though we're not even though the career trajectories are many years behind schedule right we're still like
1: but like what does that mean right like so you know like i think we have kind of silly expectations sometimes right like yeah. it all comes from this old uh you know plan of when our parents like and this is weird it's like in the 50s or whatever the fuck like it's like oh yeah you go to school and then you get a job and you get married and you buy a house and you have kids and then you retire and there's like this whole thing that is based on one relationships being you know like getting married or having kids or and all of that stuff is like not a priority anymore in a certain way for mm-hmm. i think for the majority of people people are focused on their careers or because in a city like toronto you can't even think about really buying a house unless you have a certain like you know so all of those kinds of um, expectations and timelines are all based on this sort of uh, agenda that isn't really uh, doesn't apply to a lot of our lives anymore so then when you don't have that then it's just kind of like it could be anything like at any point point. and that's kind of I think that's kind of what's so freaky and anxiety inducing in our careers because it's just like you have no path it could be anything you know like mm-hmm. but and it feels much safer to have this like trajectory of like this is when I'm supposed to have this and this is whatever but like I don't think that really makes sense to most people now, especially not, like, artistic people, like, dancers or, or painters or, like, we have our own own timeline and own, like, it's just about whatever goals that y- you need at any particular point, right? Like, right. So, I mean, if yours is to be practicing and writing lots and, like, going home is, like, the totally the right move at the right time, right? Totally, like, yeah. Like, and... Or you know, for other people, it's like uh, I do want a family and I do want a house. Then they're the ones that, like you know, are friends who have teaching jobs already at universities. You know, like they're rocking it, or they uh, like you know, yeah, and they have houses and families, and that's that. That was their priority, right? But I think there's a lot of us that um, that might not be necessarily the, be the first priority right now. So then, right. then it opens it up. Then it's like. Like, what does it mean to have something done or ready or at a certain point at a certain time? Like, none of that really makes sense anymore, I think. Right.
0: Totally. I think a lot of the anxiety comes from um, my parents being like, okay, this is fine, but... what are you gonna do like what's your plan yeah, yeah no totally <laughs> i mean
1: i think everyone who is a musician all of our friends have had to deal with that yeah unless their parents are amazing like they a lot of our friends have amazing parents yeah. and totally get it but you know like i think a lot of them are just like you know it's great that you're doing what you love but like what is your plan like where are you going? especially if you're in their house they're like okay like you know do you have some sort of a timeline and of course it's like good to have goals and stuff but i don't know like i think it's it's kind of interesting that like, we've all had to deal with that for sure. Where yeah. They're just like, they, they don't actually understand how things are supposed to work out. Like, they're like, what is your... It wasn't until, like, I got this job with Guelph that, like, my dad's like, Craig, you have a real job, <laughs> you yeah. know? And I'm just like, you have no idea how not real of a job this real <laughs> job is. Like, it's I'm literally, you know, like, it's, I don't know. But it's interesting, like, what they need... To be like, oh, it's legit now, like, or for any of our friends who like won a Juno, they're like, oh, great, that's success. Like, you're actually successful now. It's just like people were doing lots of awesome things before these, like, kind of trophy, like literal trophy, uh, like you know, status things have happened, right? Like, but that's that's how they understand it because they are again are from this time that I feel like that that kind of um, uh, yeah archetypal whatever plan was right. It's all relative to to that and old idea of like the trajectory of life in general or careers or whatever like i mean you know talking about like feeling lucky or whatever like certainly feel lucky that uh i have this like like being in a touring band is one of the only ways to make money and play all the time and even mm-hmm. then it's not like there are times off or like you know uh or it's not stable you don't know how long it's going to go for and one day it's not going to be there or whatever so it's nice to have this like like i i do feel like <clears throat> this is kind of a like a new uh, goal is to have kind of what what I have and other people like this uh, girl I toured with, uh, Julie Penner. She's a violinist and mm-hmm. so she would tour and then she also worked for the vinyl cafe like for uh, Stuart McLean. Um, so she would work on the road or be able to work on the road and then go on the road and make money. And then when you're home, I was talking to Ingrid Lawbrook about that sort of like when you're traveling a lot, cause I was feeling really anxious about it, but she's like, it's kind of, I feel like it's good because you come home and then you have this timeline of like, I only have this much time to work on shit or to play with people. And so it's like, when I'm home, I feel like you're like, okay, you set up all the gigs because you're not going to play with those bands, uh, while you're uh, for like another three months or whatever until right. you're back the next. And it's actually, yeah, like, I think that's a good way but like you know if we think about that like what jobs are those like first of all what are those bands that are paying enough because a lot of people are touring and not making any money right like Mm -hmm. they're maybe breaking even and they're doing super well but it's like they're still just breaking even so it's like what is that band and then what is a job that you can do remotely like that's really hard to to find i don't know so and i find when i was younger and seeing all of my older friends like they were at that point in their mid 30s and i was like in my early 20s and like i was watching them you know like they'd tour we'd tour and then we'd get home and they were all coming home to the same kinds of jobs because they're the only jobs that let you leave over and over so they're all bartenders or they all worked for the film industry or they're cooks or you know so it's just like it's really limiting Mm -hmm. (laughs) what that is so i mean i depending on the type of person you are it does make sense to have like a steadier thing at home and then you don't have to care about making money with the things that you want to do. And then you can pour right. that money too. It's like, I was thinking about this, uh, today that's like, you know, like I got off the plane from tour and then took out all of that money and just gave it to the ex. <laughs> you know, because like, it's like that kind of like, it's like, Almost like what I do is actually, like, indirectly sponsored by Andy Schaaf. But he doesn't yeah. know, you know. like but It's like having that kind of money to be able to fund. Like, you make your money one place and then you can fund it or fund all your things that you want to do and not have to care, you know. like Because it really gets dark if you, like, do care and you're not making enough money doing the creative stuff. But then again, I don't know. I was talking to Michael Atias, uh, mm-hmm. like, the, in February when I was down there and he was talking about, that guy's so cool. That guy's, like, really... um really smart and he was sort of talking about how um he really wishes you know and like there's all these variables and all these um you know factors but he was just like i really wish you know when people like the younger generations going out and looking at venues to like play at that you don't sell yourself short like yes like you know to not go in there and be like yeah i know like nobody really listens, likes listening to this music or whatever. Or there's nobody that really comes out, but, you know, like, we'd still like to play here for free, you know? And he's just like, no, like, you should be like, yeah, like, this is, like, I'm proud of this music that I'm making and it's worth this, this money and it is community building and all that stuff. I thought about that, and I was like, because I totally am, like, maybe it's the Canadian politeness, where I am totally sheepish, or I'm like, hey, like, not many people might come out, I hope that's okay, yeah. it's pretty weird music, might scare your audience out, but he's just like, no, that's just part of the deal, and then yeah. you build, and then it'll be great, like, so don't feel, like, like, you know, abashed by it, or, like, embarrassed, or, or you know, like, I was like, that's kind of true, like, I wish we, we would do that too, but i do think it's just it's hard it's hard when we live in a time where it's really in a place like culturally too it's a lot easier to stay at home and watch the game or whatever like zone out than wanting to go out and watch something you don't know anything about like that you've never heard and have no context like that's really hard a lot to ask for for the you know average person i think
0: it is like i'm like being in it i fall into those traps too you know like there's nothing else i care about more yeah and i still and
1: you're like oh, i don't know i'm pretty tired like i don't feel like driving yeah. out to toronto right now like, is that a cardinal or is that a robin do you think sorry i don't know we <laughs> get really distracted with bird sounds lately oh man there were so many crazy birds in asia you're listening to what are you <laughs> i wonder if you're anyway
0: uh how was that tour
1: uh it was <laughs> it was really good um Phil Melanson came uh, on board as our drummer for that leg, and it was fucking great. It was like, you know, we ate our faces off, and it was Andy's first time there. Um, But Korea was, like, super fun. Japan was, like, really great. We got to China, and it was a little bit weird. Like, I don't know if I was telling you this the other night, or I don't know. I I feel pretty uncomfortable in China in general. Like, it's very different than Hong Kong, where I grew up. Um, Just for various reasons, like, Hong Kong is, you know... was a british colony and it's just generally more westernized and i think there's a a weird um mindset or vibe in china that um freaks me out a little bit uh, in the way that there's a lot of things for like that are there's a lot of like upholding appearances for appearances sake you know like so one of the examples like uh uh, like the hotel we stayed at, like they put us up. First of all, we played at the Blue Note, Beijing. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> that it was really fucked up because it was like, you know, uh, like straight up dinner jazz like vibe. So everyone's mm-hmm. like eating their steak and on their fucking phones, and like we're up there and we're like super spoiled. Like, you know, Andy's audience is always like there for him and for his music. So it was like so awkward and strange, and we had to we had to leave our sound guy behind. In japan because of visa issues so we were there without him and without a tour manager well we had uh andy's manager was helping but it's just like the gear got all fucked up and like like they set it up we we're messing with all the settings and it was like really frustrating but then at the same time it was like you know like uh, you know sponsored by mercedes-benz so it was like the only reason why me and dan as clarinet players were even on that tour was because of those two gigs. So it's like, we, and they were nice too. It was mm-hmm. just like, we had to be, I didn't want to seem ungrateful, yeah. but it was like a weird, weird vibe. And like, there was nothing to do at night. So we just like, like there's no bar scene or anything, you know? So we like to stay in our hotel. So that our hotels, these giant, like, you know, like luxurious, like five star suite. So it was like, I had you walk in, I had a living room kitchen and then you walk in and then I had a king size bed with a hot tub at the foot of it with a TV and like I had two bathrooms. Like I was just just like, that's crazy. It's totally crazy. It's like, they're all about that, right? Like a bit of opulence and just like, you don't need very much money to go very far there. But then at the same time, you look at the walls and it's cracking or like one of the like sinks doesn't work, but it just looks really good. Right. Mm -hmm it looks really so it's like that's a very good analogy for a lot of things and also like i mean there's a lot of wastage there's a lot of stuff in china like it's where everything in the world is made you know and it's overwhelming to see all that stuff and like packaging and all of that but i don't know anyway it was like it was fine it was it was like we did it and we were like and yeah I was funny. We were like sound checking they have all, all these like uh, commercials of what's coming up and it's just like oh next week's BJI and like oh there's Nick Dunstan in the, <laughs> in the video and we're nice. there like playing <laughs> just being like I think we were like hey uh, so do you guys have a lot of jazz bands or not jazz bands here usually and they're like oh you guys are the first and we're like great <laughs> that makes total sense so it was like totally weird but i think they're, they're they are trying to that one in particular like because there's one in shanghai as well it's definitely like a status sort of thing you like bring your business partners there or your dates and be like "Ooh, look at how fancy this is you know like it's i don't know They they're trying to branch out into more non-jazz things so right. i guess we were the experiment and they paid a lot of money to for that to happen but um, was
0: yeah. there a, was it, was it Andy's crowd or was it just a, no, very, it, no.
1: it was like the dinner jazz crowd. Just was straight up, super weird. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, they didn't, I, I, I think there were a few people that were there that were like, had heard it, but it's just like, he's never been there. There's a lot of bands that don't tour China for kind of that reason. It's hard yeah. to kind of like the culturally it's, it's a different thing. Like they have like pop stars that like fill stadiums or like, you know, traditional music that like is like, and like, I think the jazz scene is, is a little bit more, of a, something like more than indie rock, that's for sure. Or like singer songwriter stuff, it's kind of like not not a thing there. So a lot of people skip it, right? Unless it's right. like a festival or something. But um you know, after that, we like we went to Taiwan, and like the minute we got off the plane, you could feel the vibe was different. Like, and that it's like a lot more like Hong Kong. It's this like crazy tropical island of mountains, you know. Like, and the crowd was really small there, but it was like the vibe was like good and it was like funny i was like oh i played this like there was there are a couple things with that tour it's like i had gone there uh nine years ago uh with with a rock band and so we were going to some of the same places and meeting some of the same people so it was uh, the venue in taiwan i was like i was here nine years ago this is fucked you
2: know
1: it was kind of cool it's like a weird time warp and also that like um you know the promoter uh in that took care of us in japan he takes care of a lot of. uh canadian bands and like nine years ago he he organized our tour he was like it was like him starting out so he he was like like younger and just like didn't really know what was going on and now so nine years later i got to go back and see him again and he's like tour managing these giant like j-pop like things and then funneling his money into like bringing like it's a lot of consolation people and like bahamas was just there um and like sandra perry and eric cheneau and ryan driver have all gone there like you know like so it's it's really cool to see him like after nine years i was like wow it's awesome we're still doing it and it's like going well like he's he's super on it but it's strange it's like yeah the last time i saw you was nine years ago and like these things like you know birthdays or new years or whatever where it's like it happens every year and every year you kind of stop you're like oh yeah where was i at this Point last year but this was like a nine year one <laughs> so it was kind of crazy like and yeah I don't know just personally thinking about uh, yeah things that are similar still in my life or uh but obvious patterns um yeah it's kind of Yeah, it was weird. I was like, I I, yeah, it was strange. I got to see my dad. My dad met us in Taiwan. Nice. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. (laughs) He was like, anyway.
0: How often do you get to see him?
1: Well, I hadn't seen him in like two years. Like uh, we usually like try and trade. Like I'll see him at Christmas, or like he'll come here for Christmas, or I'll go over there. And we used to alternate years, but I just it got because of touring. I just, like, drop the ball and, like, you know, getting tickets and on time because it's super expensive, right? Like, or with all the traveling, like, the more traveling you do, the less I want to leave home, right? So, it's just, like, the idea of, like, going to Asia after, like, traveling for, like, eight months straight. I was just, like, I'm not. I don't want to do that. Sorry. Right. And then he came over one summer. But I was, yeah, it was funny. I, I, had, I was touring and tone was happening. The first tone was happening. So, I, like, d- barely saw him. Like, he stayed with family. but So, it was good to see him. Yeah. Nice. It was, it was uh,
0: when was the first tone?
1: Uh, that was two years ago, yeah. So that, I mean, the year before that was kind of like the beginnings of it. Like, I was um, still uh, organizing shows with Somewhere There. Tad was doing the Tad thing. He's been doing it for a long time. And Ron was still more actively booking things. And the year before the first tone was, like, when we were getting a lot of bands that were, like, oh, shit. Like, we were we thought we had a, a, a Toronto Jazz Festival gig uh, and and then now we don't and like it's too late for us to cancel our flights or like or we're gonna we have to come through anyway because we're going to rochester next or buffalo or montreal or whatever and so uh there was a show um that all me tad and ron had come together to put on it was actually um this Flat Earth Society. Do you know these guys? The Belgian big band, yeah. right? And then Pugs and Crow from Vancouver with Tony Wilson.
0: I don't know them. They're,
1: uh, so Cole was just here. Were you, you were at the show with Peggy Lee and Cole. Hmm. Yeah, so they're from Vancouver. So it's Cole's yeah. band. Um, and Tony Wilson is this, like, guitar player from the West Coast that's, like, is kind of, like, a bit of a legend, legendary guy who's, like, self-taught, and he's, like, you know, had a lot of trouble, I think, with um, with uh, various drug addictions or whatever and then came out clean and is like making more music and anyway so there was that and then Lemon Water played which is Alex Lukaszewski's then that sort of rendition of that band um, and then a- every year since then we've we've had that and so we just decided that it made sense for three promoters to sort of like you know pool, yeah. pool resources and make sure that everyone's going to all the shows because you also don't want to compete with each other too like uh, these are we kind of share a lot of the same audience so right you know, Ron's definitely more from, like, the old guard. Like, he's brought so many people through Toronto for so many years. And then, you know, the I feel like I, I sit in the more free improv world and a bit of the jazz world. And then Tad's got, like, the underground DIY, like, noise people. And But all three intersect a lot, right? So, mm-hmm. like, that show was exactly, like, you know, like, Tad had brought in um, Flatter Society. And then Ron had Pugs and Crow. And then I found an opener that from, like, a local opener, And they were all very different, but it was just like, since then, it's just like every year we've been like, this makes sense to do this, you know? And Dan had just moved back and, you know, just wanted to pee at like the New York connection, you know, that, um. I think just want, and the NEC connection, you just want to bring people up because we're, I mean, above all, all of us are just like really stoked about Toronto and all the people yeah. here. And we just want people to keep coming up here to meet everyone and like keep that sort of conversation going, right? Like, and it's actually, yeah, it's, I don't know. Canada's hard to tour. We, it's like,
0: super hard to tour.
1: It sucks. Like, I mean, you, you've done, done it with, the, uh, I, I'm sorry. I keep forgetting her name. Your trumpet player. Allison friend. Phillips. Allison Phillips. Yeah. yeah. So like or any of us trying to like jazz jazz tours or whatever. It's just yeah. like, it's impossible. It's like so, everything's so far apart. And so you want to try and have as many gigs as possible. So when you're here, it's like, if you don't play Toronto, like it seems silly, right? Like you got Toronto, Hamilton, like gems in Hamilton and Guelph, like uh, in June is like, is a really hard place to play. Did you guys play at um, silence or no? No? Okay. No. It's okay. (laughs) 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 Like, I mean, silence is like such a great place and like it's, but it's really hard. Like nobody comes to those shows. And even when you have like, um, like openers, like I think, uh, I was just there talking to buddy um and andrew mckelvey uh sax player he just came through and like yeah it was just they had like local people opening and still like there was nobody there it's just really it's a really fickle town like especially when school's not in like Mm -hmm. then the students are all gone it's hard it's hard so and then so what then you're going to ottawa or peterborough we have a friend in peterborough bennett um and david jackson um in uh, and Mark Mulder in Ottawa and then Montreal and then there's nowhere from Montreal to till Halifax, right? Like, I mean, there is stuff like Brody's just on this little tour now. Yeah. It's just, it's super hard. So it's just like, you know, you're trying to help people come up here and do what as much sense as possible to like hit Toronto, Montreal and go back down to the States. It's easy for them to come up, but it's just, it's hard to tour and make money. So people, or it just seems daunting. So I, I think people don't come like they'll only go to Montreal or only go to Toronto. Or if they have a festival gig, you know, come up just for that and then leave. You right. Know? So, but you kind of want them to, you want it yeah. to keep going. Yeah. So it's hard. I don't know. It's a
0: great place, and I think more people need to come up here. Mm-hmm. So like, that's are you?
1: A, I mean, I guess you're just from here. But what made you want to come back here?
0: Um, coming back a few times, here and there, while I, while I was living in New York, I started to realize that I, the kids are saying FOMO. Nowadays, <laughs> the
1: kids, the, or whatever, what the young FOMO? adults
0: uh fear of missing out, uh, okay. hashtag #fomo. Hmm. Um The
2: young adults just, <laughs> uh, Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm missing out.
0: I have more fear of missing out when I'm in New York than when I'm here.
2: Right. Right.
0: So I took that as a as a like maybe I should just not be in New York right now. Right. Especially since it's costing me so much money yeah, to be down here, just to be there. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um,
1: What's your general gauge, like? How, like, I, I'm really curious about this fear of missing out idea because I think we all have it, right? I have it like crazy sometimes. Yeah. I'm like, oh no, no, but we gotta go. It'll be super fun, and if I don't do it, like, who knows? And as I get older, I'm trying to get better at being like. It's okay like even on this last tour it was just like you know like oh, let's go out to the bar and like because everyone's stoked to be there and I was like man there's gonna be so many bar nights this on this you know like I don't need to go tonight it's yeah. gonna be okay but I was like what if it's gonna be super fun what am I missing out on <laughs> yeah. like it's it's such a hilarious thing I wonder if our generation is more susceptible to that for some reason because like, we feel like we have to do everything all the time right like yeah
0: I don't really have it unless it involves being around music
1: right Yeah, so it's, like, purely...
0: Purely music, just because, like...
1: Is there any social part tied to that? Yeah,
0: like, all of it. Like, the... Right. Like, listening, hearing, seeing my pals. Yeah. Just making a connection, another connection to play. Like, I'm just so starved to play that I... Mm. Like, that's a... I mean, that's the more selfish element of it, but... Right. Like, all the... Like, I just want to... Yeah. I have nothing else important you know right. like that's all i want i just want to be around the music
1: yeah. i and i mean i think it's fine like there's a lot of things that we do like you know obviously there are really good people like we're you know out there in our community and and but like what we are doing is ultimately selfish i don't think there there's like you know i mean it is kind of, it can become a negative thing depending on how you act on it but it's just mm-hmm. like in principle like what we're doing is kind of selfish you know like so i don't think you should be feel ashamed or embarrassed about it in any way because we're all we're all there too right like we're all doing it too yeah (laughs) i I think um that that's yeah that's something i've been thinking about just trying to get better at not having that fear it's gonna be okay you know like people like move from the city like for like years and then come back and people are like oh hey man i haven't seen you in a while and they're like i haven't lived here in like eight years and they're like oh really like and they like you know people don't notice sometimes what is that sound <laughs> cool <laughs> sorry <laughs> i hope that's not ruining your
0: uh, your shit right who now. cares no one's
2: listening yeah <laughs> uh, <but no. laughs>
1: only our buds are listening anyway oh yeah let's take a take a little listen can you hear it that's actually a sick sound like more metal
0: I'm not sure if I can hear it, but, uh, um, okay. Well, either way, our voices are way louder than, than that, than that. So, Great. <laughs> um,
1: what was the other thing? Um, uh, do you know Tanya Kalmakovich? She's, uh, does she play viola? I think she plays viola and she is from Alberta, but she's in New York. She lives in like Red Hook and, uh, I know the name like, for sure, but I plays a lot with like Joe Maneri, sorry, Matt Menary. Um. And they were at NEC together. I think she teaches there. Anyway, she, um, uh, I just met, like, I I don't know, like, various, like, my cousin went to NEC and, like, knew her. Um, but I don't know her very well. But she posted uh, something. It's so funny, like, because I, I were pretty active, like, social media, I'm actively looking at things, but I'm not necessarily interacting with it. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, only posting. We talked about the Southern area, right? like, the social media thing. But um, she's a person that posts things a lot, like, and it's a lot of thoughtful, like, political or not or personal things she posted an essay the other day or just like a short short essay just a blurb about exceptionalism that's something i've been thinking about a lot too she it was like it's just so well written i don't know like if people know her you can find it but it talks about to like um trying to be okay with not being exceptional and that i think we all feel to a certain extent that we are exceptional because we're doing this thing that is very um you know niche and like off the beaten path or whatever that you know like we're doing all these things that are very specific and a lot of things don't apply to us and we're still making it work or whatever but it's also okay to just like have a boring everyday life you know like yeah and that uh you know I that's part of ties into the like fear of missing out too because you're just like no this is like this could be that like moment that everyone's talking about and and then i'll be like i was there whatever i mean the like whole raptors thing right now that's happening too. everyone's just like oh my god history is being made and like there that does something and adds to the i think that concept of like feeling exceptional and it's not it's not that it's not true but it just like i think being better about like it's okay to miss out and it's okay Mm -hmm. to like have like we don't we don't need everything to be exceptional all the time we can also just be like it's okay to be like be alive with music and just have music in our lives in our everyday lives and like you know like every gig doesn't have to be like a huge gig it's like this is the the one you know like it's just like this is one of many gigs and it's all part of the deal like right and there it's okay like it, we don't need everyone to feel special like it's, it's all, this is all part of it it's a, and it's like i'm saying all this but like i'm you know that all that stuff is really difficult for me i think but i want to get better at it i think and just like yeah. I, again, I wonder if there's something about our generation that is more susceptible to all that stuff, or something. I
0: think so. Mm.
1: Um, Why is that? I wonder.
0: I'm sure social media has something to do with it.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, so I we were talking, our friends and listeners that were that aren't listening to <laughs> us right now. Um, Mike and I were talking about social media, and because uh, you're off of Facebook, right? Yeah. You're on Instagram, and you know, it's just the ongoing conversation of like how it's tied to mental health and, you know, um, but I I sort of am feeling like for my job, for promotional purposes, just for people to know about events and things, it's good to stay on it, but then you keep a very, you know, like um, arm's length uh, relationship to it and make sure that like, you know, like I'm not posting super personal shit. Sometimes like the few times I am, it's because, you know, Justin Haynes has died and I think, you know, people maybe need to know or, or I want, I'm feeling compelled to spread the word in a certain way or spread... I don't know. It's it's funny because it's this place that has everyone's attention for a minute, you know, and, like, sometimes it's good to bring attention to certain things. And, like, a lot of people use it uh, very aptly for, you know, like, political things or environmental things. And, like, uh, and I I mean, to go to further that, some people get really upset when... um, You know, they're trying to have these discussions or talk about these things or bring awareness to these issues and people aren't responding uh, in the same way that they are to someone's newborn kid or whatever, you know, and then they get really upset and dark about it. But I think, again, it's like if you have this arm's length relationship to it, knowing that you have everyone's attention, but maybe perhaps it's not the place to have a discussion, a full blown discussion on gender issues or whatever. Like, I think it's cool to, like, say things and announce things, but to not really expect anything back, you know, like... um, yeah, and that if you have a, some, a post that has 500 likes, that doesn't make you exceptional. Or if you do do that and nobody responds, it doesn't mean you're missing out on something. You know, like all True. of those things are all connected, I feel like. And I think about it a lot.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I, um, the, big, the, the big deal breaker for me in Facebook was that there's so much shit. Just like seeing so many things. Just the way that that news feed works. Right. So much stuff from people that I don't know.
1: Were, were you the one that you were like, oh, somebody posted, like, a wedding picture and you didn't know a single person in the pictures? Like, that
0: was, like, those... That <laughs> happening on a steady basis was probably the sole reason I, like...
1: Yeah, that's
2: fucked. <laughs> I don't, like, that's kind of weird, like, Shout out
0: all my lovely friends out there, but I don't even care about their wedding pictures. Right, yeah. Like, and I'm... You know, I don't know. I don't yeah. know how that algorithm works, uh, but...
2: Yeah, well, I mean...
0: History, <laughs> right? Like, for, like, Instagram, I can go on there and I only see what i only see stuff from people that i follow it's like a direct right. yeah. and somehow that seems more healthy to i don't know right yeah
1: i don't know
2: i whatever. wonder
1: too i mean cuz there's a part of it like it's it spreads a little wider than like instagram cause instagram you're you're not seeing like oh well this person you know was tagged in this thing or whatever but yeah. also it's newer so it's just like it's not as far gone like facebook is pretty far gone so i felt like for me like i'm on instagram but only Through tone, it's like so much cleaner because it's just like I started it, whatever when tone started like two years ago. So Mm -hmm. it's like it's still like there aren't that many people that I'm following or whatever. It's just like it gave me a a chance to like reset, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) start with it. And also, yeah, it's nice when it's just like pictures and not yeah too much text. And I guess Twitter is like also only text but very short. So all of these kinds of platforms have different advantages, I guess. Yeah,
0: Instagram is. I just find it so fun. Yeah, and I try not to spend a lot of time on it. But even just like sometimes in the morning, I'm I'm in bed and I look at Instagram yeah. and I hear someone playing yeah. and I practicing something a practice video and I look at it and I go I can't really do that and then I like practice that for a bit. It's like a right. it's like another tool to be inspired like, to be inspired. Huh.
1: You know? like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think yeah, I guess like I think it's possible on Facebook too. It's just not in the same way, I guess. Right? Like it doesn't seem as fun (laughs) so it used to be fun and it's not fun anymore i don't know yeah who knows yeah yeah it's it's a hard one i mean i I really do feel like it, it definitely helps for events like shows it's good for that facebook is i mean and instagram i'm like you know i just like looking at pretty pretty photos like a lot of photographer stuff i'm like looking at sometimes or I don't know. Yeah. But, and also like in terms of reach, it's like, cause of algorithms that I don't understand. Like with Instagram, if I post something about the festival, like I know people are going to see it, opposed to like some people might not see it on mm-hmm. Facebook or then we get into like, like sharing it on a page opposed to personally and all that bullshit. Like it's all kind of bullshit, but like it does get the word out. That's just, and then it's just like, well, at yeah. least people, I tried to tell people and people yeah. know or don't know. Like, right.
0: Yeah. I have to reel it in a, th- a little bit. I think I'm, like sometimes I
1: real Instagram in, in a bit.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's there's still this part of me that, uh, sometimes I just want to put stuff on there because it makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. And Ooh. definitely, other people don't have. Well, what's same... wrong with
1: that? I don't think there's anything wrong. with that. <laughs> Well, Isn't it's there like entire accounts of like yeah. you know like uh Instagram accounts that are just, it's just funny shit. You yeah, know, like
0: but it's also the kind of thing of like I if somehow there's like that thing of following, um people that you don't really know but you listen to their music yeah yeah and then that turns into that can turn into their only opinion of you when you let like their oh, only perspective right, right. <laughs> if you've never really met them in real life so if i'm like if i'm like taking a selfie and like screaming outside of bad boy furniture Outlet, <laughs> yeah. yelling bad boy and whoever sees it they're and it's like
1: they might th- think it's super fucking funny too yeah. Though, right yeah I don't know. they could like, but they it's... could also
0: be like uh I don't care what this guy, you know, yeah, like it yeah. could be a right, whatever. Well, they,
1: they can just unfollow you. I don't <laughs> right. know. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah, it's such a funny, funny thing. It's hard to, uh, on the road, like for sure. We're all on our phones a lot. Like, it was kind of cool this, the last couple legs of tour, like since the fall, um I've had work to do, like mm-hmm. on the road, which has been really nice. Otherwise, I'd just be on my fucking phone, like the whole time. And, like, it's not necessarily just on social media, though. That's part of it. A lot of the guys are just, like, hunting for gear all the time. But also, like, you know, shitty iphone games like infect the van <laughs> and then everyone's playing that and it's like yeah uh, yeah yeah there's uh-huh. uh yeah there's some i i mean this last one uh everyone really got into making memes <laughs> so we have like <laughs> we have like a tour thread and it's just like so many like hilarious Memes. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's because you're sitting around a lot, you know. Like, can't practice in the fucking van, and and like, it's like you're not in the right headspace to like compose in the van either, right? Like, and there's only so much. Like, I was listening to some podcasts, um, like a couple of years ago, because I didn't feel like listening to music necessarily mm-hmm. in the van. That was like another thing to try and do, but that was that's hard too. Like, it's it's hard to do anything other than sleep totally. <laughs> in the van, which sometimes we really need to, depending on how hungover we all are. great. Right
0: yeah um when's the first tone this year tone uh, gig or tone. tone show
1: so uh hopefully this gets released before then uh maybe i don't know say wednesday <laughs> <laughs> but uh the first show is on thursday cool uh, and that's a co-presentation with music gallery uh it's dwarves of east aguza which is sam shalabi and uh who else is in that band there's like a bunch there's three people um sam's like uh based in montreal and cairo um I can't believe I have to look this up. This is terrible of me. Um, it's Sam and I'm just heading over to our website here. <laughs> tone uh,
0: Toronto <laughs> dot Tone
1: uh, Toronto or
0: Tone dot. Tone Is it dot com or dot org?
1: dot com dot org. Oh my God! Do people still have? Actually, Sam Weinberg has a dot org. That's pretty cool. Uh, Oh, Alan Bishop. That's it. I was like, Alan Bloor? No, Alan Bishop, Maurice Luca. So that'll be good. And um,
0: I'll I'll link to all these things in the yeah yeah in the places.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's like a bunch of the first one. There's like kind of two trunks. Like uh, the first trunk. So there's that one on Thursday. On Sunday, it's uh, Ben Lamargue from um, uh, Chicago and. Bonjay and Craig Peterson's... Oh, Craig Peterson's. Oh, my God. <laughs> Craig Dunsmuir is the yeah. band that I'm in. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. My brain's a little fuzzy today. Whoopsies. Um, Yeah. So that's Sunday. And then the Tuesday, Lotta Anchor is here from Denmark. Uh, yeah. She's going to be playing a Somewhere There show as well on the, on Sunday. Cool. Uh, you, it's, uh, she's just improvising with like a bunch of locals, which uh, Bea has um organized. So that'll be good. Hopefully, I think... It's definitely possible to, like, do that, and then it's, like, a 10-minute walk to the Drake uh, to hit our show after as well.
0: Nice. Um,
1: and, I mean, Ben's going last, so you'll definitely catch that. Yeah. And then, yeah, Tuesday, Lotta's lot here, um, and uh, Sylvia Taruso. I don't know if that's how you say her last name, but she, she's also playing some of Martin Arnold's compositions. Like, when is that? That's, like, uh, the following Saturday. <clears throat> anyway, she's she's improvising with like Jermaine and Dan and Phil, sweet uh, Daniel Pencer and Philippe Philippe Melanson. Um, and is it Philippe? It is Philippe. I didn't know that. <laughs> but I mean, we call him Phil, but it's Philippe. I think it's like, what did he say? Because uh, we were like making all of this promo on, on the road. I was like, is it Phil or Philippe? And he's like, Philippe, you get, like it's nice when people use all, the, all those letters, you know, those extra <laughs> letters. Like, uh, for, like when you can't have your full name, why not? Yeah. I think Dan thinks the same too, like Daniel. Daniels. It's nice to call him Daniel. Instead yeah. Of just Dan. Um, and then Wednesday is the big show. That's uh, Beverly Glenn Copeland um, and Tom Gill's Destiny's opening for Sweet. that. And then there's a little bit of a break uh, while we work our other jobs and lives. And then, uh, there's these two artists uh, on from Orange Milk Records. Uh, there are two Japanese uh, like electro, electronic people, um, CVN and Koyosame, and that's like for a uh, four band bill. There's a lot of people like Korea Acetown, um, Korea Town Acid. I always mix it up. Anyway. <laughs> She's playing and uh, Kat from Panteo's playing and who's the fourth? Anyway lots of music and then the thursday our friends from amsterdam are going to be here yeah so i i wonder if uh allison i'm sure allison knows them too but it's like jasper Stadhouders and john Dykman and ono yeah and then our friend kaya drexler is coming as well
0: yeah john dykeman
1: john Dykman, trumpet player no uh sax player but he he has a band called universal indians with joe mcphee and i think he's actually from like iowa or something but he relocated there for a bit um
0: i this is the worst
2: these guys are all
1: like part of duke which is like a collective in amsterdam like very much like what some are there or or, you know any of those kinds of like community collectives are
0: i'm pretty sure that i put out a record that john is on really (laughs) or not me but the label that i kind of work with hold on a sec
1: wait what's the label you work with
0: flea boy records
1: oh flea boy records what uh
0: so like me allison phillips pedro bronco yeah Pedro, uh, robin shout van- out to <laughs> <Yeah>. pedro
2: pedro <laughs> yeah uh,
0: robin van ryan a couple mm-hmm. other people leah gregorian mm-hmm. um,
1: new sound of a lawnmower i wonder if you can Lovely. hear that should we check <laughs>
0: everyone's
1: just gardening away back here
0: how dare they <laughs> <laughs>
1: Can you hear it?
0: I think so, but our voices are still much still louder. Still much louder, okay. Yeah, well, so whatever. Can have
1: a little, little yeah. background soundtrack of lawnmower time.
0: Yeah, um, so unfortunately I had to look this up, but there's a record on Fleaboy called The Second Path to Nowhere with John Dykeman, Lena Alamano, whoa! Leo Sferzi, and marcos baggiani
1: whoa that's crazy lena's on there yeah nice that's a cool connection to have made right now uh just thinking about that nice yeah so john's here so you should come say hi yeah never, never <laughs> met him he's awesome he's like the best like he's a cowboy from iowa that lives in amsterdam and jasper's been here a couple times yeah uh, i've heard him play I yeah think, he's great right? uh he, he last time he was here we played uh at the Transac in september with like aaron lumley um yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, and then they played Guelph Jazz Festival last year, actually, uh, with Marielle, uh, Aaron's wife, and yeah, that was super good. And Ono, I don't know how much Ono's been here. Like Cactus Truck, this band, it's the three of them, have been here. Maybe not in Canada, but they've been close by. Like they've been to Buffalo, and right. some Canadians went down there to watch. And but I don't know how often they come here, so it's really great. And Kaya is like so amazing. They're all basically making their way out to Vancouver jazz festival um yeah. so but they're stopping by here first
0: so is that are they all on so i know i'm out of town for the kaya show oh are they is that all the same bill that's all the same yeah Shit.
1: you're gonna miss it you can't say hi to. i'm your... in
0: amsterdam uh. well <laughs> <laughs> Well,
1: that's great timing good. <laughs> real good Real Lovely. good timing uh oh that's too bad yeah i mean yeah, the, those bummer. guys are a huge part uh i mean kaya doesn't live in amsterdam anymore, but even still like they're all such a huge part of uh, like the resurgence or whatever that's happening. Like I think there was a long time between like the old guard, the ICP people, yeah. And you know, I think their generation just showed up and were like, we just want to play like as much as possible. They're finding all these new places, new opportunities to play, and weren't afraid to ask the old guys to play too. You know. So yeah. I really feel like at that time when I got there, that was happening, and it was really fun to see. Uh, that energy, like just a renewal, like because every city goes through these dips, you know. Like I think, uh, in a certain way, Montreal fe- has been feeling it a little bit, just like a bit of a gap between, like, you know, the the old celebrity celebrities like Jean Derome and Joanne Héroux, hey and yeah. uh, and then the younger like Raff or Buddy Raff, um, who's helping out with Swanee and uh, has helped out with Tone. like we're trading people, and yeah, uh, it's hard, you know, because yeah, sometimes there's a lull for various reasons. I mean, it'll likely happen in toronto with the way rent is going you know like where uh people move away and i mean amsterdam's a crazy expensive place right so yeah. i think that was a lot of it too a lot of people like really trying to like you know rough it out there but then eventually ending up in berlin or whatever because it was just cheaper yeah and then but then this young you know younger generation showed up and getting her going again which yeah. is nice yeah it's
0: still tough like um allison's been there for i think five years now
1: mm-hmm. it's tough and yeah. we're still
0: having trouble like
1: where do you guys play when you're there?
0: I don't know, even like. Where I,
1: are you playing? in <laughs> I don't know. Oh, cool. These, uh,
0: a couple like gallery things. Yeah. And a couple things got canceled,
2: mm. so we have
0: a lot of downtime. But that'll be fine. Right. And then we're doing some, like a couple just restaurant background gigs to help pay the flights. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Hanging out, do some podcasts.
1: Yeah, do more podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> this
0: thing sounds this Zoom that we're plugging into. Yeah. I've been having some luck with it, and I think that maybe Allison and I will do some recordings or something while sure. I'm there I don't know
1: I mean the zoom recordings are, are fine yeah they're great especially
0: when you can add the microphones to it yeah totally like,
1: like yeah definitely.
0: get some lawnmower in the background and <laughs> get a nice little yeah, din,
1: background din <laughs> of, of metal being shredded in <laughs> and lawnmowers going yeah um yeah I'm, I'm super stoked for tone I think that um yeah it'll be nice when this month is done when the festival is done then I have some downtime as well like I don't have to tour the summer and last summer I was in New York all summer which was like really great like um, so I'm excited to have that kind of downtime but home like here I mean it was really great to be there last summer and be in a like different city and so it's actual downtime like I mean I'm always in danger if I'm gonna be here it might not actually be downtime like there's oh fill my schedule with something somehow (laughs) but i mean this this time though like i have a grant to work on and so that'll that'll be good sweet i gotta see some lakes go go hiking through some woods or something it'll be it'll be nice
0: yeah i yeah i'm hopefully this downtime in amsterdam will i'll get some things done Mm -hmm. um but well probably not
1: do you are you the type of person that gets things done more when you're not at home like like say okay are you the person for for me like i'm starting to realize that i might actually be more productive when i have a place to go to like so a lot of people they're like if they were just at home trying to get shit done not much gets done like because you're distracted but if yeah. they have a studio space or an office that they go to be like this is my time to work on stuff it's a lot more productive right? yeah like
0: i feel like if i'm sitting at like allison's table while she's at work or something i'll probably like
1: not do very much i'll or? probably do
0: a lot oh yeah yeah, yeah so,
1: so i'm sure it'll be great Yeah, because i'm
0: not i'm especially not much of a tourist also so yeah
1: right well i mean there's not that many i guess there are touristy things to do there it's just a lot yeah. of museums and stuff like i loved walking around or i guess i don't ride a bike but like biking around is probably amazing right yep. like just bike around but
0: biking's um, my favorite yeah so um, just
1: biking around and biking out to the um to the dikes right like yeah. out, um there's like that whole part in that book the Dutch, new Dutch swing book where it's like talking about the, the writers like biking out and seeing all those like, um, yeah. Uh, I don't know that book. Levies. Oh, okay. It's a book that talks about the ICP and like the improvised music scene in the sixties and on like, damn,
0: uh, I need to get that.
1: Yeah. I never actually finished it. It's so funny. Cause then I, I went there and I was like, Oh yeah, like I'm getting all of this firsthand right. now. But, uh, yeah, they talk about like the BIM house and, um, which is their, their venue. Like, uh, now it's like the really swanky one. Uh, but it used to be just this like squat, right? Like, and it ran for like 10 years as a squat and a lot of people through Europe are coming through like, uh, yeah, just like crazy improvised people. It's a crazy time. And they really, um, I think back then, like Misha Mengelberg and all these people were like really got, were also smart, but also got other smart people to really fight for, um, you know, funding and all this stuff. And that's why those are like the golden years. I feel like they had a lot of infrastructure to support the improvised music there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, like everything, that's all changing now, I think. Um, But yeah, they had some really... Smart, like lawyers or something, really fighting for that and going to the government, being like, We need money for this, you know. Right. And they're like, Okay, <laughs> you've convinced us, and yeah. So, I don't know, it, but it's, it, I think it was just an interesting time. Like, there was a lot of improvisers coming out of there and a lot of mixing going on. A lot of people were, they were touring through, like, it's so much easier to tour in Europe, everything's so much closer. So, yeah, um, yeah it's just talking about that time is really important, important time, I think, in Europe, uh, yeah but you should read yeah, it. <laughs> I definitely should. I've been... There's a lot of Canadians in there, too. Like are there? Talking, well, like, yeah, Alison Cameron uh, uh, was studying at, at The Hague, I think, at that point, with uh, Louis Andresen. So there are a lot of composers that um, helped contribute to that book. Yeah, yeah,
0: I didn't know that she was over there.
1: Yeah, yeah, she's got she's got a little bit of a Dutch connection, for sure. Cool.
0: Um, I've only I've only heard her play a handful of times.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's great. Her yeah. pieces are like amazing. And like I mean, this is a thing like uh like, you know, last night I went to go see the Ryan Driver quintet and like, you know, you watch Martin play and Martin's like fucking amazing. It's like so weird and wacky and great and I love it. Uh and then you listen to his pieces and they're totally different. They're like these really beautiful, like static things and I, I was kinda wondering about all the people whether they were you know, who knew the musicians or not, like listening to Martin and what impression they probably have of him musically mm-hmm. uh, like they would i feel like they'd be totally surprised if they actually listened to some of his pieces that he's written they're really beautiful things yeah really like it
0: um i uh, martin also
1: spent time there yeah right
0: martin what's his last arnold. name martin arnold
1: yeah he was the artistic director at array music um but is no longer right yeah
0: what do you mean no longer?
1: Yeah, he stopped. He's, he's Oh different. I thought you meant Array
0: was no longer. No, Array yeah Array's right. still there. yeah, still
1: there. Uh um I think it's the guy from uh like the Array Ensemble that's that's now artistic director. Um Yeah, it's always been a funny place because I think uh it was never meant to actually be like a for rent venue or venue. It's like, you know, for the ensemble to have a space to rehearse mm-hmm. and because they had a space where they had to store their stuff, they're like, we might as well rent it out. So it's always been like, you know, um, it's not somewhere like like the Transac, which is specifically for performances. Like it really is meant for use for the ensemble. So I think it's been tricky for them over the years to sort of establish like what they are what they can offer people or what they need you know mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a little bit tougher like or it's just not as straightforward as like just a, a venue you know right where it's like this is a venue or in the same way that like ibeam is like this is a venue but it's also a rehearsal space and like you know it's um so it, it's it's a little more layered than just or not as straightforward yeah
0: what else uh. do you have anything else coming up
1: uh yes F- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's lots there's always lots I don't know why I did this how did I do this I do this every time um, I don't know like I just like always I have like a bunch of shows that I like playing with people I like very much and, yeah um, Tuesday I'm playing with Pete Johnston and Jermaine and who else and somebody else we're playing for Joe's Track and Bend mm-hmm. and at Winona at Winona yeah so Tuesday Winona vibes we have all the Tuesdays. Yeah. And uh, then I go to Swanee because um, I'm playing a solo saxophone set for Swanee this year, which is really cool of them to ask because, I don't know, who <laughs> the fuck am I? <laughs> it's kind of great. Um, yeah. I'm going to go hang out with Raf, and it's going to be great. Um, Sweet. And uh, then I come home and Tone has started. So the the first Tone show I'm not here for because I'm in Montreal, but hmm. Tad will be, be there rocking it with the music gallery for, um then it's just tone stuff I'm doing like this theater thing uh for Luminato um with Jermaine and Rob Clutton um and Gregory O is like the uh, um, house band for um yeah for this theater show and then more tone and then I am gonna sit in a quiet room nice. <laughs> it's gonna be fucking great <laughs> Solid. I cannot wait <laughs> yeah I don't know what do you have coming out
0: almost nothing um, well you're going to Europe you're going to Europe and then I think like the only other thing on the books right now is I'm doing uh, the ornate presents in August oh cool and uh, I'm doing solo bass again
1: For for ornate yeah that double double bass thing was really great by the way that you did with josh oh
0: yeah that was super fun it was super great yeah he's uh he's the best yeah
1: he's yeah josh cole shout out to josh cole
0: his ears are crazy he taught me how to <laughs> eq my amp oh in yeah like a matter of seconds
1: <laughs> cool <laughs> i it was the production production side of him right i yeah. mean so he's one of the people i'm working with on my grant um, I was interested in people that have like production know how, yeah. and are also improvisers in some sort of way. Um, yeah, so that'll be fun. So I've got like four people, Josh being one of them. That I'm going to be working with this summer. Just fucking around and
0: nice
1: <laughs> in the studio or home studio. I mean, it doesn't even really matter. I mean, everyone's got a home studio now, yeah. right? Like, so it's like great to have the luxury of time to work on stuff and not feel like. I'm in this really expensive, fancy place where you better get shit done. Like, maybe we'll get nothing done. Maybe nothing will come of it, and that's totally fine. You know, like, it's really nice to not have that pressure. Yeah. Um, But
2: also, pressure can be good. Sure. Mm -hmm. I don't know.
1: I've decided to put a a time pressure more than... uh, like result pressure you know like where it's just like okay no matter what we only have two days or something and we're cutting it off at that point so we don't go into a hole but i mean that's kind of intense like two days is nothing like people work for months in the studio and it's and come up with really great stuff but i think this is just like the uh exploratory stage of things anyway so i'm not expecting anything to be done no it's not a recording it's um a means to compose in a different way
0: so what is the grant or the
1: is basically like I I have always been kinda curious about um like, you know, I, I've had a long time uh relationship with various people in the indie rock world and it's always made me curious, like, you know, for us schooled people, uh, you know, like you like have an idea and then you write a tune, you like write a chart and then you like play it with people and then you, you like play a few gigs and you're like okay now we're ready to record and then you record it when it, it feels like it's done you know mm-hmm. it's been worked on and workshopped and now it's a finished product and all of my singer songwriter indie rock friends do the exact opposite like yeah. they are in the studio and they're they have an idea they put it down they layer it they cut it up they like ask people to come in and do stuff and then it's a thing and they're like yeah it's done and they're like oh shit now we have to tour it so they're like okay now I got to get a band and try and figure out how we're gonna translate this live, which I think is ex- literally the exact opposite of what we do in terms of um, like stages of yeah. creation, right? So I was just sort of curious to see what would happen if I tried to write in that way. So the idea is that um, I have four people who I've improvised with before, um, not necessarily like free improv, but improvised, and uh, who are also uh, really good recording engineers in their own way. And um, we're gonna like record us improvising and then we're going to do something to it, cut it up or whatever, and then make it into another thing. And then I'm going to write a chart of that. And then later on, I'm going to try and translate it live. Fuck. Yeah. (laughs) It's going (laughs) to be weird. And the four of them are very different. There's going to be a lot of different ideas of how to do that or how to even improvise, like us going to look, okay, like, are we thinking about how we're going to, cut this up later so we should improvise in a certain way or not or mm-hmm. like you know um, Sandro Perry's the other one of the other guys and um, he had a lot of really cool ideas of like um, having more of like a formula like kind of like in, in a very composerly way like uh, he's amazing like the things that I've recorded with him like he just like you know he's like okay i'm gonna play you the backing track and then you play over it and i'll record it And he'll be like great thanks thanks so much and then it will get released and it's this whole other thing and I'm like whoa like what and so it like he has a really good sense of like as things are being recorded as he's going things will become clearer or change or whatever and so he doesn't even really know what what he's recording like he doesn't really know what it is yet as he's recording and then it, it can sometimes turn into this whole other thing that's like magical like that kind of ear and brain um so I'm really curious about that but he his ideas are totally like a composer where he's just like let's have some sort of a formula um you know so it's not necessarily uh like it 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 won't be it it, sometimes it's not quite as intuitive as you think especially when you have two people like two variables right like I have an opinion or expectations and he has it and if we're going to be collaborating that's actually there's already lots of questions of how that's supposed to go right like Mm -hmm. Um, And in the moment, too, he can't really stop and explain things because then the moment's gone and he can't, you know, like, so it'll be really interesting. But his suggestions is what he's done before for um, with uh, Blake Howard, uh, Blake Howard's solo um, album, where it's just like, okay, maybe we will improvise to somewhat of a click and then we're gonna like take only beats one and three and then we're gonna knit it all together and then you have a thing right like and that's that's the composition yeah that is fucking cool or like noise like so it's just like we record with a with a you know and only things above or below a certain dynamic will come out and that'll be the piece you know or like you know it's really really cool like what what he's thinking of and those are just like a few ideas he like thought of off the top of his head you yeah know, like while i was in there the other week <laughs> it's like, like a
0: very producer minded mm-hmm. improv that's crazy yeah
1: it's great like i think that's so amazing like that's what i'm curious about for sure and meanwhile like you know i think josh like is really into uh just a lot of processing right so maybe we'll just like do that or maybe mm-hmm. somebody will really want to just like take one thing and like cut it up and loop it like Char- charles spearn is the other uh, person and he you know did a whole recording of, of playing to people's voices right like so just co- regular conversation and finding melodies and cadences within that like that's pretty fucking cool like yeah. you know like because it could be anything and he decided like had the mind to be able to decide what it ended up and took a little part like just listened to interviews and then took little parts and made them into songs like it's insane like to be able to do that right so I'm really curious about him as well and the last one is Lisa who I just love like she has I sometimes really hate the sound of saxophone when it's recorded and every time she's recorded it sounds great <laughs> like lisa. She's lisa conway so she's a singer songwriter that i play with often but she also runs a studio and the only time i've improvised her is with her on like laptop on like max msp like you know like so i have a very different um improvising uh relationship with her mm-hmm. and but she's also like super producer minded as well so that i have no idea what we're gonna do with her so that'll be really cool and sweet uh, yeah I, like, just today started getting really anxious. About it. I was just like, oh, man, a lot of things are about to happen in the next very short little while. And uh, there's only so many hours in the day. Yeah,
2: <laughs> How is this great, supposed though. to
1: work? <laughs> like, I don't even have mental space to think about things sometimes. Like, like what I do s- I feel like eating later? Like, it's just like, no time. Like, I got to call Tad. <laughs> or yeah. I got to, like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to be aware that I'm in this space right now where I am every time something major is about to happen. But But there's no time. I'm all these things are coming up
0: time is for losers
1: <laughs> nice i think you came back here at a really great time it's I so
0: awesome i tell everyone that all the time yeah, I'm like I know. this is a great time to it's like to be here bill yeah. smith calls it is bill smith told me two nights ago at the Transact. uh were you pl- Was all me? the shows are the same yeah i feel like you were there I don't know if you're...
1: Yeah, I totally know. Oh, it was the
0: night you played solo.
1: Oh! Yeah, who is that in front? Oh, it was uh, Edwin Sheard uh, was playing after yes. me. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh,
0: Bill Smith told me that uh, we're in the golden age of Toronto. Wow, yeah.
1: Toronto I, music. I think so. There's a lot of cool shit happening. I really like it. Yeah, and it's, like, all over the map. It's not just, like, within our scenes. Like. Yeah. Yeah, lots, are, lots is happening. And I, I can't even quite believe that... It's happening like that. We're all able to make it work because it's really hard to live here. And a lot of us are depending on the kindness of strangers, like or just like like I'm super, super grateful that I get to live in this place. Like Siobhan down there, landlord, she's awesome, and like I'm living in a house where she is my landlord. You know and and there are all various people who like figured out how to own a house like a li- like just five to ten years ago, or and like so it's still manageable. Like it's, it hasn't gotten quite to where like say Vancouver is, and even Vancouver like Cole, that guitar player, yeah, he's got this like really amazing situation that he lucked out on. But like without that, it's super hard. Like so it's great that we're still still yeah. <laughs> hanging in there and just trying to make it work in the city. It's
0: Yeah, I don't know how uh, the next few months are going to be interesting for me, but I'm uh, pretty confident I can be.